Hey everyone, Brando here. And Mike. And we host the Game Addicts Podcast. A show about modern and retro video games. That we play and collect. Now, here's some vital information for you. Our podcast is found on podcast services around the globe, such as iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, and YouTube. Check us out every Thursday for a new episode. But wait! There's more. If you pledge to the Journey to Comics Network Patreon, you get early access to the audio version of the show up to a week early. So what are you waiting for? It's time to level up and check out the Game Addicts podcast today. The following is a Journey to Comics Network production. Hey, hey, this is Josh Richmond, and you are listening to the Voice of Survival podcast, exclusively on the Journey into Comics Network. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? As the intro said, this is the Voice of Survival podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, it is episode nine of my show. Last week, we had the little weird Incepticast retrospective. Today, I have a guest. As always, you guys know, I like to do a little bit of an introduction, welcome my guest by way of telling you how I met this person. Strangely enough, of all the people who have been on my show, I feel like I maybe know this guest the least, which makes today's episode extraordinary because I'm going to be learning so many new things about someone who I consider a friend. I've got I've got some really cool stories with this person. So I'll take you back to March 4th of 2017. It's really strange because I feel like from March 4th, 2017 to here we are December 1st of 2017, I feel like I've lived... 20 million lives. I think that's the kind of the musician's call. You're on the road. You're in different cities. You're playing different shows with different bands. There's no consistency. But sometimes there is. Sometimes you get this luck where the cool people tend to permeate around you. And you just find your way into these situations where you know certain bands. They're just like you're not even really your tour buddies, but just like if we so happen to end up on the same show, we know it's going to be a great time no matter what. Well, To go back to March 4th, I didn't know what kind of time it was going to be. We were playing a new venue. Walk Among Us was going to be playing Underground Lounge. Put on This show was being put on by somebody from Milwaukee who I didn't even know. They reached out. They were interested. And I was like, sure. So there are a couple other bands on the card. I think it was like Billy Dreamer and Gremlins and uh, So Far So Bad and Walk Among Us. And then also this band whose name in and of itself, was so clever. I just, I started giggling as soon as I saw the card because it was A-U-F-K-I. And I was like, how in the fuck do you say that one? (laughs) So I was like, okay, hold on. Let me, let me just take a second. Hooked on phonics, this shit. Off key. Oh, I get it. Those clever sons of bitches. Okay. I'm really looking forward to the off key set now. Well, uh, what was in store for me was something I wasn't expecting because... Of all the bands we played with that night, to me, my favorite and most memorable band was Off Key. And today, on the voice of survival, I have Connor Petcourtbine 
from the band. He is their lead singer and lead guitar player, I guess you'd say. Guitarist. You're one of two now? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, how, yeah. How, how's it going, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Fantastic. Yeah, you know, glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you on today. So to go back to March 4th and kind of wrap that story up, I don't want to just leave you guys hanging. We saw Off Key. They were great. Most memorable act of the night. It was chilly that night. Fast forward a little yeah. bit. We're in August. It's like August 18th, I think. And our first time ever playing in Milwaukee. And who plays right oh, the fuck man. before us? Off key. And it was amazing to see you guys. And things had changed so much. Ryan had left the drums and he was now playing guitar. And he had this new guy on yeah. drums. Yeah, that was one of the. How did that all happen? Yeah. From, like from March to. How did that change happen? When did you guys decide <laughs> like Ryan should really just pick up a guitar and do it that way? Um, well, well, it's interesting. No, we uh, we we we're try- always trying to you know adapt and evolve and, and kind of explore new new aspects of the sound. And we recorded the album. We liked the way that it sounded, um, but we were looking to grow and kind of add some more depth to our music, some diversity. Um, and and so we experimented with um, maybe adding a second guitarist, but we couldn't really find a second guitarist or anything like that. Um, it was actually Ryan's idea. He's like, hey, you know, I've been practicing and stuff. I'd like to move up to maybe try guitar or something if we could, um, you know if that's possible. Otherwise, you know, I don't know um, a ton about drums. He hadn't been playing drums. He had, There was a huge time gap between when he used to play drums and when he joined the band. Um, so he, he was, you know, doing a fantastic job. But he's like, well, maybe we could find somebody else. So we auditioned a few people and we ran into uh, Logan, the current drummer. Um, and he fit the bill. He was willing, able, very talented guy. And uh, yeah, since then, Ryan moved to guitar. And I think it's really really brought us to a new level. It definitely brings you guys to a new level because when Ryan was on the drums, one thing I could say is you were trying to have all the fun by yourself. And Alan is a, is a good bass player, don't get me wrong, but there's mm-hmm. just a certain, sometimes there's a certain vibe with certain members of the band. I feel like you and Ryan are like, he's like your like not legitimately older brother, but kind of, if that makes any sense. And... Uh, just yeah just from an outsider's perspective you know so uh, having the dynamic of him coming up front now and and we're going to get into this part three because we actually play with you guys yet again this year in october at the place we played at in march we went back to underground lounge we had a show turnout was kind of sucky not really anybody's fault but it was a great show you guys performed phenomenally as always and i actually threw you some dinero and picked up this amazing cd no one eats the shark yeah yeah thank you yeah do you you dig it it's good it's a good album man i'm pretty proud of it okay so i have this weird thing that if you're a band that i play with and i genuinely like you i might become not starstruck is not the right word but i listen to albums until i wear them out mm-hmm. so the off-key album no one eats the shark has not left my cd player since we played with you guys over a month ago I listen to it pretty oh. much anywhere I'm going. Wow, I'm I'm flattered. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I like it. Uh, it's uh, the songs are, are are nice and fast. They're they're uh, they're not crazy long. It's, it's easy to, you know, you don't get sick of them. Kind of type of thing. It's very 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 catchy. It's fun music too. You know, would you guys? I, I enjoy playing it. It's fun to watch. I think. Yeah. Oh, it is fun to watch. You guys have such a blast on stage, and that's what I was going to say. Is your guys' on stage antics? The three of you now. 
between Alan, yourself, and and Ryan, the deni- the dynamic there is so cool because you guys are kind of playing off each other while also writing and playing these songs. And the really cool thing about this is every song on this album is a little different. Like everything is just like you guys don't have. Like, you don't lock into the, we're only doing a specific style of pop punk sound and just hammer that home. There's, like, rock kind of guitar on this and some kind of almost country guitar, and then it picks up. I mean, you guys take elements from all kinds of music to shape your style, and I really, I personally really love that. Yeah, no, definitely. I've always been... Um, we- the, the the dynamic of the band is is pretty it's pretty unique we've got a lot of like ryan and alan are, are older than i am and logan and i are closer in age um you know so we each have our dif- different tastes and and preferences in music um and i think that breeds a really unique style and and it, it creates something more enjoyable to the listener it's not just cookie cut or something you've heard a thousand times before you know it's it's a, a unique blend a fusion of uh of, of different of different music and that's what i'm about Absolutely. Well, let's get into this because really we've just kind of been riffing about your band and this could be a nice little plug for, hey, everybody, you should really go check out Off Key. They're like genuinely awesome from Appleton, Wisconsin, if I'm right, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I still remembered. I still remembered. So (laughs) let's actually rewind the clocks to where it all starts for you. And I have to know really where does music begin for you? Like what's the first band that kind of gets you into music? Where do you find your love to play guitar? This, this, I'm sure this story is going to be one that is beautifully told and kind of long, but I want to know where it all starts for you. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's rather interesting. Um, so I've got some older brothers and my oldest brother, Carrie being the oldest of my brothers, you know, you always look up to your older, older family members regardless. Um, so when I was in like elementary school and stuff, he would have been in early high school in the early 2000s, late nineties, basically. So when, when like, uh, you know, the post Nirvana kind of like punk mainstream ish, you know, genre was going on a lot of like instrumental rock music type stuff was going on. Um, so he was, he kind of introduced me, got me into, you know, alternative music, if you will. And, uh, and so that, that was really my, my lead into it. Um, one of the first bands that I, personally like grew attached to which maybe in hindsight is a little embarrassing to say now but i was a huge offspring fan i don't think there's Um, anything wrong with that yeah i'm not i mean personally i'm not a huge fan of their newer stuff now that they're you know they've changed their style a little bit which is fine because as a musician you grow but um yeah no i fell in love with um like uh smash and ixnay on the ombre you know i i i just as soon as i heard those songs they were they were catchy they were simple um a lot of them have you know a deeper meaning that you could relate to it was just uh that's that's really what got in got me into music in general and listening listening to music um and then from there it was uh, i i i fell into the the pit of ska that's that's where i went interesting um, yeah, no, huge, huge ska fan. Still am to this day. Um, but it went from the offspring into like Real Big Fish was my my gateway into into like the music world. You know, after after I dipped my toe in, I pegged you for a ska. mighty Boston's guy. I do, I do appreciate some Boston's. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know. Real Big Fish always did it for me. Uh, the pinnacle for me was Streetlight Manifesto. That was that was what really it inspired me to you know elevate my level of mus- musicianship you know they're the fantastic music musicians all of them in in Streetlight manifesto so does that start you down the path of playing an instrument or where does that come in because 
music, I know as a kid, I went and had like, you know, I became a, a bell player in the school band, but was that like your first taste into music or was it nothing and then all of a sudden you were wanting to play guitar from all these ska and punk bands you're listening to or... Uh, no, not at all. Actually, I had kind of had to be talked into it. Um, <laughs> uh, I when middle school rolled around, I joined band because that's what everyone else in my family had done. Um, so I tried that out. I played saxophone and I loved it. I was uh, super into it, you know, liking ska and everything, you know, it was it was a good fit for me. And then uh, from there, I uh, the the band director, the guy that taught me saxophone also, you know, was into like folk music and he played guitar. So um, he offered to teach me guitar after school. Um, for some ridiculously inexpensive amount of money, basically just to like hang out and and play guitar, I think was his motive. Um, and so he talked to my parents about it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I guess I'll give it a try. Why not? And uh, as soon as I started playing with him, I fell in fell in love with. It. He was into like folk music, and I learned so much from him. And really, the, the the love and appreciation of playing music and you know creating new sounds and and, and harmonies and blending everything together is what I learned from him, uh, Mr. Baird, Colin Baird. He was a fantastic, uh, fantastic guy. Really, really helped me a lot. So the the question I have from this is going to kind of go back with that teacher that you mm-hmm. were just speaking about. Does he know what you've got going on in your life now? Do you, do you guys communicate still? I feel I feel like sometimes people who are on our musical journeys get kind of lost along the way, regardless of if we really mean for that to happen. Yeah, no, definitely. I I do not keep in touch with not like I should. Um, we're I mean, obviously we're friends on Facebook, but I mean that means nothing in this day and age. Um, so no, I he I talked to him once in a while. He knows that I'm in a band and stuff. I don't know if he's heard the album to be honest. Oh, um, he should. Uh, uh, he should. I meant to mail him one. As soon as we like finished recording, I had this this dream that I would mail one to him with a letter, you know, and all that, and I never did. And uh, I always kind of regretted that. But maybe I still will. Hey, there's still there, time. There is tons of time left. So he talks you into playing guitar. You're learning your appreciation for music. You play saxophone. You know, maybe not any Careless Whisper or anything like that. Did you play Careless Whisper? No, not that I remember. Okay, no, I good. So. Yeah, no. by Wham, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So are those the only two instruments you're proficient in, not including the fact that you're also the singer of the band, which we're going to get into in a minute, because I'm, I'm interested in knowing how that blossomed for you. Yeah, me too. Uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, that was a whole whole different story. But no, um, after being in band and... Um, Play, playing uh, guitar, taking lessons from him, I somehow conned my way into also being in chorus. We had, uh, I can't, I couldn't sing. I still actually really can't sing that well, but I never took lessons. Um, I played bass for the swing choir because that's where all the girls were. And also it was easier than being in band. So I was like, oh, well, this is a no brainer here. So I somehow talked my way into that because it was similar. It's like guitar, but, you know, theoretically easier because it less strings. That's how I looked at it at the time. Yeah, that's um, kind of the reverse <laughs> of me. I learned, I learned bass first and then went to guitar. So, oh yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. I would probably make you a better guitar player. I was not a great bass player, honestly. I did a lot of faking, but I, I managed through that. And I've played since, and I, I do enjoy bass. It's got a whole different dynamic. There's a lot of a lot of cool stuff you can do with bass. You are playing so many different styles of music. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. You started with folk and ska and punk. And now you're telling me you did sw- jazz and like played swing bass for jazz. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm learning so much. So you're you're doing that, and that led you to do the choir, or? 
Uh, no, that basically got me uh, in the in the door of playing bass, basically, is what that came down to. And then also spending more time with my teachers, because, you know, both of them, they were the music department. We only had two, a, a chorus director and a, a band director. And so spending more time with them, um, and, and obviously the band director had taught me guitar. So he had this idea that after school we would set up, um, he would set up like a band, you know, to like play talent shows and stuff like that. And just kind of to, to bring a new aspect to the music department. So he actually started, he started the first band I was ever in. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah it was kind of school of rock esque before that even came out. It was very cool. Okay. So what's that like doing a band with your teacher? Are you playing some of the hits he likes? Is everybody kind of have an open opinion to what you're playing? Did you guys ever play out? I feel like there are so many questions just from, just from that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, uh, we were called, uh, oh, wow, the name escapes me, uh, Crestfallen. Yep, Love it. We opened, a, we opened a dictionary, and that was that's what we came up with. Um, so we did that. No, it was basically members from the band and chorus department, and then there was uh, we had a keyboard player, a drummer, a bass player, and we had a singer, and then myself, who played guitar. And we played, our singer was phenomenal. Uh, she, was, she was very talented. Uh, but we sang, like, Paramore and Tsunami Bomb, stuff like that with, you know, female singers. And, and Twilight had just come out, I think. So Paramore was, like, huge at the time. So I played a bunch of stuff in, like, Drop D, which I wasn't used to. So that was a whole new thing for me. Um, yeah, I learned a lot from that. It was a lot of fun. We used to, you know, spend time after school practicing and playing. Um, learned a lot there about being in a band and, and working with other people. Um, we only played one show. We played the talent show. And we got third place which was a Subway gift card for like 10 bucks. We all went and got cookies or something. But yeah, that was, that was about it for that band. Everyone graduated and it kind of fell apart. That's a, kind of like a Slipknot story. Hey guys, we won $10 and there's six members. Everybody mm-hmm. gets a $1.57. Good luck. <laughs> I hope you figure it out along the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you guys, you know, everybody, school ends and obviously you move on to do other things now. Is the next thing in your journey directly off key or is there some other stuff that kind of happens before you uh, found those guys? Uh, no, there's uh, actually a couple years in between there. Um, off key is a pretty recent thing, more or less. Um, so, yeah, after high school graduates, at this point, I'm, I'm, I love playing music and playing guitar is really what I focus in on. Um, and I had some friends who were not the greatest influence, so to speak, you know, we spent a lot of time just hanging out with the devil's lettuce and whatnot. Hey, yeah, right. Kids stay in school. And, um, so I started rapping. I did a, I did a brief rap period where I rapped. Okay. Time out. Whoa. Okay. So let's talk about this. What's your rap name or what was your, yeah, uh, Conzor. C-O-N-Z-O-R. Which now everything makes all the sense in the world. I I know where I've seen that before. I probably won't divulge that here unless you want a bunch of random uh, (laughs) friends. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But so tell me about that. You get into rap. How does that shake out? I feel like this is all happening in Appleton. No, no. I moved to Appleton Two years ago? Three years ago? Okay, so where are you... I guess that was... See, I feel foolish now that I forgot this part of your story. Where has all this taken place? Oh, I grew up in a small town called... Uh, well, I grew up in Francis Creek, Francis Creek, if you're not from there, I guess. Um, and I went to school in Michicot, Wisconsin. Um, that's where I graduated from high school. And then I got my associate's degree from the uh, the center, the UW-Manitowoc. 
extension there. I just got an associate's degree and then took a break and followed music, actually. But kind of a quick synopsis of my educational history. Yeah. Um, so all of this is going on. I still live in that area, basically, right on the shoreline, more or less, of Lake Michigan over there. Okay. And yeah. so how does the raps – we never, we didn't really get back to that because I, I tangented <laughs> our way back to – where we were in the story, not what was going on. So let's get back to this rapping stuff. You yeah. are again showing me how multifaceted you are with like every style of music. I'm waiting for you to tell me you secretly also play ragtime piano. Uh, <laughs> not yet, actually. I like that I, you said not yet. <laughs> like, no, I love I love like swing and, and old school jazz and uh, and even blues. Honestly, I, I was doing some trying to learn blues, but that's it's not my out of my realm. Um, you yeah, don't so learn the blues, you feel the blues. Exactly, that's the problem. I'm blue, but I can't play it, so it okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, so I'm living over there, and um, basically I was into like, you know, alternative musics, you know, ska, punk rock, regular rock, um, I even liked some classical music, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Uh, pretty bland stuff by comparison, I guess, to what was popular, which was rap music. Everyone loved rap music, and I was just not not into it. Um, but I spent a lot of time hanging out in cars and whatnot, driving around. And so uh, all my friends would show me the new rap songs and, like, check out the bass in this song. And I started to learn, like, the what was appealing to it, you know, why people liked it so much. There was, you know, the, the catchy bass lines. It was, it was like, like you said earlier, you don't play the play the blues you feel it it was that was the same thing with rap music it was very much like or hip-hop you know it was very much about the the you just you could dance to it you could you could feel it there was more to it than that it wasn't so much about the message it was more about the emotion the deeper you know that type of thing um yeah so we would listen to uh listen to bass heavy rap and uh, hip-hop music and uh one day we were like, hey, let's try freestyling. And these guys are doing it. Why Why can't we? Let's give it a shot. Um, and it was a lot of fun. I had so much fun. No, I was honestly terrible at freestyling. The worst. But so much fun. Doesn't matter um, as long as you're enjoying yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, we had a lot of good times uh, freestyling. And uh, my one buddy, uh, his name was Dan, Dan Jansen. He has changed his rap name multiple times now. So I won't even divulge whatever it is. I don't think he raps anymore. But, uh, he uh, he was actually very talented at it, very good at like coming up with lyrics on the spot. He had interesting rhythms, you know, vocal patterns, stuff like that. It was very, very good at it and very cool. So a lot of fun to rap with him. He always showed me up, but it was still it was worth it just to hear him, you know, to be to be a part of that kind of help facilitate him. Um, and then he got me out of my shell, kind of, because at this point I was still pretty shy. I hadn't, you know, played a lot. I hadn't played in a band other than that one show, and then like, you know, high school band. So I, I didn't have a lot of performance experience. So, you know, rapping with somebody and and you know, exchanging ideas, being more or less not vulnerable, but you know, putting yourself out there, giving you giving it your all um, on those in those instances was something new to me. And I learned a lot from that as well. So we decided to take it to the next level, sort of. And we tried, uh, we stole some beats from the internet and uh, recorded some songs. And oh my gosh. That's okay. So you record some songs. Do you release them to anyone? Uh, no, 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 they're no, I'm a small chance. We might get sued. Cause we basically ripped, uh, Rip the tracks from like YouTube or something like that, you know. Ah, uh, totally understand that. Yeah. So you yeah. never officially performed these either. Mm, maybe at a drunken party or two, but otherwise. Okay. No. Well, hey, that counts. That's, <laughs> you're still getting everybody going. I get it. I understand. 
So out of the jaunt of rap, you're doing this kind of for, it seems like more for fun, and you're kind of learning to front and be in front of people and entertain. Yeah. What's the next twist in this story that kind of moves the moves the chess piece a little bit closer to what's more current here? Uh, well, I moved out of my parents' house, and I was very poor. I graduate. I finished my associate degree. Finished going to college. Decided I wasn't going to pursue that anymore because I was poor. Good on you. Um, and uh, the job that I had, I worked in. Still work at uh, Napa Auto Parts. Um, and basically, the owner had bought a new business um, in Appleton, and he was like, "Hey, I just got this acquired this store, and because it went from being corporate to privately owned, I would like someone who knows the way that I run a store to go over there, and just kind of you know help smooth the transition, so to speak. Do you want to move to Appleton?" And I was like, well, being as how all this other stuff has just ended for me and I'm quite poor and this involves a pay raise, I am in. So I moved to Appleton. Awesome. And you are did you kind of take over a managerial role of this Napa or uh not so much. More of a like a advisor? Employee, uh, yeah, advisor, employee relations type of thing, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Just kind of like, hey, this is what's you know, interpret the different, you know, management styles and stuff like that. Awesome. So you're now in Appleton. You've relocated. That mm-hmm. was kind of scary, I'm guessing. How far is Appleton from your hometown? Uh, about an hour or so. Okay, not so that not that terrible. Okay. Small step, yep. So you you move you move you move a little further away from the home base and mm-hmm. it's 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 your first time out in the real world mm-hmm. and you're working at Napa and some dude says, "Hey, start a band with me." No, is that not how it happened? Uh, yeah, well, actually, that's pretty close to it. I had been, um, uh, recording some songs on my own under a, a different pseudonym. Um, I basically, I had been playing guitar for so long and not really done anything with it that I felt that it was time that at the very least I'm going to write some songs, record them, put them out there, you know, on, on band camp or whatever, you know, just get, get them out there just for some, some self-validation so I can, you know, justify all this time I've invested in such, such a hobby that I enjoy so much. Um, so I was doing that and working at Napa, and I got this great idea that I should have a mohawk because that's what cool kids do. <laughs> awesome. And, yeah, it was no, it was not awesome. Actually, in hindsight, it was a terrible, terrible fashion statement. But I did it. <laughs> Why was it terrible? Mohawks it, are cool. Uh, they're cool. I did it. I shaved it myself, so like it kept every time I would like trim it, I screw, would screw it, screw it up a little bit more, so it moved gradually up the back of my head until it was just like a patch on the top of my head. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it was not a good... You were just like, damn, well, looks like I'm going to shave this off for a minute and reset. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Um, but yeah, no, I had that, and then uh, Ryan uh, stopped in. He worked at one of the shops in town, stopped in, and uh, he was going to Riot Fest, so I talked to him about that, about, like, you know, punk rock, the because um, I had gone a couple years before, and I couldn't go that year because I had to work. And so we talked about that, and... Um, he asked me to go to a Guttermouth show in Green Bay. Just and, randomly. Uh, yeah, well, he saw I had a mohawk, and so we talked about punk rock, and he's like, hey, you know, after we get back, I talked to him a, a few more times, and he's like, there's a Guttermouth show I'm going to go to in Green Bay. Do you want to go check it out? Um, it was uh, Guttermouth, the Jeffertons from Minneapolis, and one other band whose name escapes me right now. I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, uh, so we went to that, and we're like, look at these guys. They're Playing, playing music out like it can't be can't be that hard let's give it a shot and the rest is history more or less 
Well, more or less, let's fill it in. So you and Ryan, I, I, I think I have this down. Correct me if I'm wrong on the band's history. You and Ryan meet by way of Napa. He sees the Mohawk. Cool, cool, cool. We should hang out and be friends. You do the Guttermouth show. You guys decide, fuck it, why don't we play music? He's already married to Angela, and Angela yep. suggests that Alan plays the bass for you guys? Uh, there's a, there's a little bit in there. We, um, so me and Ryan decided we were going to be in a band. Ryan and I decided we we're going to be in a band and, uh, we didn't have a practice space or a bass player. And, uh, we, this guy named Troy, uh, had both of those things. He could play bass and had a practice space. He lived, uh, uh, down near Oshkosh and Fond du Lac somewhere. Uh, so we, we joined, he was the third member and we started the band and we practiced at his house and, uh, we, we had a, a falling out with Troy right before our first show. Uh, basically, he th- felt we weren't ready. We thought we were. And uh, so he's like, well, I don't think we're ready. I'm going to leave the band, which is an acceptable decision. You know, I, I can't argue with that. Um, he did, however, call the venue and tell them not to book us. So that was a bit of a bummer. Oh, so you guys didn't even get to go through with it, even if you would have found a replacement in time? Uh, no, we did play the show. Um, actually he, he just was kind of a dick about it. Oh, <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah. So he, he did that. Um, and we were like, well now we're spiteful. So we have to play this show. So we, uh, we, the show was still booked. She just had the, the owner had her, has her reservations about it. And, um, we, we got Alan who was Angela's, um, brother. He used to play the bass. So he joined the band and picked up, filled in for, for Troy. And, uh, in about a month, not even couple weeks i think he learned as many songs as he could and we went and played our first show how did it go um well it was in kind of a bike biker bar in the middle of nowhere okay let me tell you real quick i want to tell the listener this because i know your story that you're about to tell me and (laughs) that's why i goaded you into this so please Uh, tell me in great detail because there's something that ties into what i've got going on musically in this story that i love so Please take it away. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cut you yeah. off. Yeah, no, definitely. We uh, <laughs> So we get there, and uh, we don't have enough original material. We've got, you know, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes at most of originals. And we were supposed to play for, like, two, three hours, some, something ridiculous like that. We, we kind of were a bit overzealous in booking this show. But so we pulled together a bunch of cover songs, and we're like, it's a bar. It's a bar band. It'll be, we'll be fine. So we pulled together a bunch of covers, and we get up there, and we start, start doing our thing. And honestly considering like all the last minute changes it went pretty dang well we we i was pretty pleased with the with the performance um we even brought a bunch of people mostly family but we had a decent crowd and uh not even halfway through the show the bar owner comes in after after we finish a song and says that we you know that she's calling it she's calling it that's it there's no more uh you guys are done playing and she basically kicks us out it turns out that the people the few people at the bar who happen to be bikers are very protective of their mothers. And we had just played last caress by the misfits. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, uh, they did not take kindly to that <laughs> and said so. And that was the end of our first show. So that's pretty legendary. I love that you got kicked out of a biker bar because you had to sing. I've got something to say. I killed your <laughs> baby today. And then that you raped their mothers you mm-hmm. have big balls, my friend. Let me just tell you, <laughs> to sing that to a bunch of bikers, I know because we've had this conversation as Walk Among Us where we go, 
Okay, where the fuck are we playing? Is this all ages? What songs can't we play? Okay, good. We can't say bullet because we don't want to talk about masturbation. Got it. Mm. Okay, great. <laughs> we don't want to do last crest because we don't want to talk about raping somebody's mom. Cool. Okay, we're in it to win it. What else can't we do? Okay, good. Which is hard. It's difficult to censor yourself. So I love that you guys were just so badass and just like, no, we got this. We'll sing. Fucking yeah. raping your mothers right to your faces. Right to their faces. We went we went through with it. And uh, it was a little bit of uh, being naive, in all honesty. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time, minus being canceled basically halfway through the show and and all that. That was a bit disheartening. Um, but we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps and booked more shows and kept going. You guys definitely live by the moniker of there'll always be another show, which I think that some bands get stuck on. They think that one show is going to make or break their quote unquote success. And it doesn't matter. Literally, you have to just play shows, as many shows as you can. I thought that we played a lot of shows. And then you guys posted the other day, and you're going to have to give me some exact number on this because I'm going to probably fuck it up. You've done like 90 shows or something, close to 90 shows already? Uh, Yeah, we played uh, – okay, so we, we played at uh, the Lyric Room in Green Bay. We opened up for Something to Do in Mustard Plug. Um, which was a huge show. It was fantastic. Had a ton of fun. Uh, so much respect for those guys. Being a ska fan, especially, um, that was a really great show for me to play. Um, and uh, that was our 80th show, I, I want to say. I guess I don't keep as good a track as I should either. But I think that was our 80th show. And then we've played a couple shows since then. So, yeah, we're getting pretty dang close to 90. Wow. So you guys might – I well, this year's almost up. I'm guessing you don't have 20 shows booked for the month of December. Um, no, we do not. Actually, December is is a little thin. I think we only have two, maybe three shows. Same. We've only got the two. We've only got two. It's hard because it's the holidays and whatnot. You know, it's the holidays. And last winter, we booked so many shows this time of year that it was like it was just too much. We need a little bit of a break finally. It, it's hard too because you guys are in more of a, a snow terrain and i'm sure that snow to you guys is like snow to canadians it's just a part of life but uh, <laughs> i i feel like still though it definitely makes travel way more stressful when you've got to go okay we've got to leave now two hours early because it's snowing great you know yeah yeah i know that it really affects things we played a couple shows we played last new year's in escanaba uh michigan which uh was quite the haul is that Upper Peninsula? It sure is. It sure is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was an experience. No, Escanaba is a nice place. We didn't have a great turnout for that show. Was uh, it being ma- New Year's? basically the weather kind of deterred people? Yeah, I think it was kind of the weather. It, did, it snowed a bunch that uh, that day, and it was New Year's. We played at a, a smaller bar up there, honestly. It was just uh, – most people were, like, at the casino. Honest, that's where I, that was, that's what was packed, the casino. You were um, like, that's where I would have been. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, I would have probably – actually, that's, I stayed there that night, but I had to be at the show, so I didn't even get to gamble. Oh, not that I'm much damn. of a gambler, but – Yeah, gambling's yeah. not that fun, kind of. I know. I used to deal cards, so – Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually crazily enough the today this episode drops today. I'm actually going back to that industry as a private blackjack dealer. I'll be doing private events, which is a whole different world. I'm totally terrified, but I'm sure it'll be easy. 
but yes, I know all about the gambling world. But this is not about me today, Connor. This is all about you. So we're going to move <laughs> into some questions I have regarding your musical journey, about what you've been doing with Off Key. You've played a lot of shows. You just said that. Yeah. 82 mm-hmm. or 83 shows, we'll say. It's sure. more than a handful. You have good memories. You have great memories. You have bad memories. Let's talk about what's the like. What's the worst show experience you have had where you were just like, man, if I didn't love music so much right now, this is it. Like, this. Why did we do this to ourselves? Ooh, um, that's that's tough. We play a lot of shows, so there's been some, like you said, some good ones, some bad ones, um, some some worse ones. Uh, one of the most disheartening shows for me personally was, uh, we played, we played, it was up in, honestly, it was up in uh, the UP again at a, at the same place we played New Year's. It was a different show that we had played there. And, uh, there were so few people there and there was just this one lady and she just kept shouting, you know, do you guys know any Green Day? You know, just over and over again. And then when we refused to play Green Day because... Well, we didn't refuse, but, you know, it was like that wasn't in our set. At that point, rocking out. And uh, she she uh, insisted that I get off stage to go home and kill myself. So that was, that was uh, pretty Whoa. interesting. Yeah. She was pretty hammered. And, I mean, not that that's an excuse, but, yeah, it was uh, – that was, that was a little bit discouraging. And with the, with the lack of turnout, you know, and, and, I mean, we've had disheartened fan – not disheartened, but, you know – uh, fans that are abrasive to say the least and that's that just happens that's you know playing shows you you meet them. i'm sure you've met a few of them who who didn't care oh yeah i almost either. fought a nazi bro oh really yeah i don't think i've told a, that story that's a story you're gonna have to tell me okay well maybe yeah I'll, I'll tell you right now it's fine it's not a big deal it's super quick kind of so we played friday the 13th in fort wayne indiana okay. with the jasons and the Lurking Corpses and Mumula. They're all great. You guys should check them out. <laughs> we're on stage. We opened the show. We did not have our bass player, Rob. It, we were just Sarah, Veronica, and I as a three-piece. We okay. are playing our set as we do. We get to Violent World. And as I'm sure you've heard me proclaim before, I think you were at one of the other shows where we pro- proclaimed this. Fuck Nazis. Said it here first. Mm-hmm. If yep. you're a Nazi, fuck you and your Nazi. Because I don't put up with that bullshit. This is my country not your crazy bullshit that thinks that the 40s happened and you guys <laughs> won. It didn't go down like that. You were soundly defeated. So yeah, anyways, yeah. I'm like, hey, what's up, Fort Wayne? This next one's about beating the fuck out of Nazis. And if you're a Nazi, fuck you too. And I d- just went into the song, kicked its ass, done. We play the whole set. It's great. Now here's the part that's crazy. This bar we're playing at is sold out. It's packed, and we can't get our gear through the front door or the side door. It's it's a nightmare. And we have to hurry up and get off stage, and there's only three of us. So we're just like booking and cooking, and I start taking stuff out to the truck. And all of a sudden, there's this really kind of large, taller, like 56-year-old dude behind me. And he goes, hey. And I'm like, what's up? He's like, I really liked your band. I, d- I really liked it. And then he goes, but motherfucker. And I'm like, oh, God, what is this going to be? Like, <laughs> come on. But motherfucker is mother. like, w- exactly. Are you protective of your mom? I don't even think maybe last Cress was on that set. I digress because I can't remember. But yeah, I'm like, OK, what? And he's like, I'm a fucking white nationalist. Fuck you. You got a problem with me? 
And I was like, excuse me? And he's like, you got a fucking problem with me? And I was like, you're a what? A Nazi? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, you're a 58-year-old Nazi. Fuck you, bro. The United States of America. And guess what? I'm going to say that to your face, and you're not going to fucking touch me because I was just on stage, and everybody knows I'm here, so what are you going to do? And this dude just creeped on me all night. He didn't do anything, obviously, because he's a fucking pansy. Uh, <laughs> but he was like, he like tried to like sneak into this like part and I, I was certain he was going to jump me, and he didn't because he's a fucking coward ass. But I digress. That was me almost fighting a Nazi. I stood my ground because that's what you do with a Nazi. And oh, my, one of the closing things I said to him, I was like, what is your deal, bro? Aren't you supposed to be a fucking adult? Like, you're 58 years old. You're a grown-ass man. What are you doing? I'm 30. Why are you trying to fight me right now? What are you getting out of this? <laughs> you think you would have learned some perspective by 58 years old, but I guess I guess not. No, he's had that giant Nazi pineapple stuck up his ass. <laughs> if you've seen Little Nicky. Anyways, let's get back to you and what's going on with Off Key. We talked about one of your worst memories and a lady telling you she wanted you to kill yourself, which please don't. Uh, not down <laughs> with that. But on the flip side, there has to be like the one, the pinnacle moment. Everybody, you know, the show that everything else stacks up to that you performed at, that something so unforgettable that nothing can top it, or at least you're hoping that something will come along eventually to top it, but that it's just, that's your, your opus is right now we hit this level. What's that moment for you? Um, honestly, that the show we just played with, with mustard plug and get, um, in green Bay was, was huge. That was a, a big step for us, I think. And I, I, you know, that was, to date, that's probably one of our best shows. We played fantastically. It was so much fun. All the other bands were great. It was like a packed house. It was just, it was, it was a really good time. Um, so that was that was probably one of the top, um, the top moments to date. But as far as like the most hopeful moment, I suppose was, um, um, it must have been last winter or so. Um, Counterpunch, I think they're from Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. They, uh, someone had broken in and stolen a bunch of their gear. Um, they're a fantastic band. I love Counterpunch. And so, uh, when we had heard this, we're like, oh, they're, they're hurt and we should do something to help them out. Also, they had more notoriety than we still do. So we're like, hey, if we could piggyback off their misfortune and, you know, I mean, it's a twofer. So, um, we invited them up to, uh, Green Bay. And we put on like a benefit show for them and we, we gave them all the proceeds and everything to kind of help them get back on their feet again after that had happened. Um, but they're, they're kind of a big name around here as well, a lot of fans. So they, they had a huge draw and we were still a relatively new band at that point. Um, so their draw really kind of we, – we opened for them obviously and they, everyone was there to see Counterpunch and not us. But they were still there and that was such a such a reassuring, you know, kind of the, the affirmation, the um, – we had spent so much time up until this point, you know, playing in, in small bars or, or outside venues or wherever we could basically. And then to have that, um, that moment, you know, where there's all those people there and they were enjoying it, they were rocking out and having a good time. Um, that was probably one of the, uh, one of the top moments for me. Well, that's, I mean, that's awesome because you, as you said, you did a nice thing. You also had an opportunity to kind of, get the rub. I always call that the rub, you know, mm -hmm, you're, you're mm -hmm. just like, it's the right place, right time. You're helping somebody out. Sure. But they're also by 
way of helping you out also. So it's nice. Somebody doing something for someone else. I will say there's an interesting memory I have with your guys' band. The middle of the three shows we've played together, because unfortunately, I, being in a band, I don't get to really go see other bands unless they're playing with we me. play with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know that. Yeah. So uh, seeing you guys the second time, you started what I would consider one of the most dangerous moshes I've ever seen. Do you recall? Uh, the most dangerous? Da- no, I do not. You guys, were, we were at the local, and you were yep. on the side stage, mm-hmm. and there were yeah, people moshing, but it was such close quarters in there. <laughs> this lady was like, she's like, I thought she was grinding on me for a second, but I think she was just trying to get through and couldn't. I'm not really <laughs> sure. It was very, it was just wild to me, because I was like... God, I would love I would love to see you guys in a packed show with with the energy of the crowd feeling your songs because you guys do write really awesome songs and now to talk about those awesome songs, let's talk about this album and some of the work that goes into it, the decision to put these songs down. Some of these songs I think you probably put a lot of work into so we can maybe focus more on the ones you had your hands the most in. Uh, but let's get down to this. You guys released this earlier this year, I think, middle of the year, July, maybe? Uh, no, uh, before that, actually. I think it was uh, April, around so April. It was right after we were after we played with you guys. Okay, the first time. Yep. So yep. that's why I didn't... Okay, so that all makes sense now. So let's get into it. You guys decide in 2016, we have enough songs. Let's go do this. Where did you record? What was that experience like? This was, I'm guessing, your first time actually recording. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a phenomenal experience. Um, we went to the bomb shelter in Chicago. Um, Dan Precision, he's a founding member of Rise Against, uh, the guitar player for 88 Fingers. Louis, they're, they're back out touring again. Um, he's in a ton of other bands. Uh, a hero of mine, honestly. I was a huge 88 Fingers Louis fan. Um and, you know, great guy, super helpful. Uh, yeah, no, I highly recommend, seriously, if you guys need to record, if you want, like, a quality recording, tons of knowledge and know-how, you know, very understanding and helpful. The Bomb Shelter, he's, you know, it's it's reasonable, and he's, it's, oh, the the experience and expertise we got alone was worth, was worth the money we played to record. Plus, we got the sweet, amazing-sounding album on top of it. You know, I, I cannot endorse him enough. Um, but yeah, no, so we went down went down to Chicago. We took off 10 days of work, two weekends in the week, and uh, went and recorded the album. You guys just stayed in Chicago for 10 days straight? Yep, we sure did. How was that experience? Uh, just <laughs> hanging out in the city, or was it mostly time spent at the studio? Did you guys have a clear like uh, plan for the songs that were going to be on the album because you played it out enough together? that you knew what you were doing or were there some songs maybe that didn't make the record that you wish did? Um, yeah, no, we, we did some, we did a lot of thinking. We tried to be as prepared as possible because we wanted to record the whole album in the amount of time that we had. Um, because we had used all our time up. We couldn't go back after that more or less for a while. So we wanted to get it all done in one. So we tried to figure out, we had a list of songs we drew from a hat. Honestly, we put all our songs in there. We, we picked the top ones that we knew we wanted on the album. And then the other ones we kind of, we, you know, randomly selected, I suppose. Um, and then we, you know, kind of polished them off afterwards to, to make them good enough for the album. Um, and then, yeah, we went down there and we had a list, um, from most important to least important for the album. And then we ended up making through all of it 
but like two songs didn't make the album because we didn't have enough time basically um and they'll go on the next album i assume i guess we we've been talking about that that'll be in the future uh but yeah so we went down there we had we had songs laid out um and we got there and kind of just just wung it from there we didn't really know a lot what we were doing we had talked to dan um on the phone a few times and he kind of laid out the the recording process um for us what you know what would happen drum tracks all that type of thing scratch tracks the order um and yeah that's and that and that's all she wrote for the album itself it's pretty cut and paste once you get into the recording process and how it all works of the songs that you guys did there's a couple things i want to note here uh 1061 i have a question yeah is that intro riff mxc um it's not supposed to be if if it is do you know what most extreme elimination challenge was did you ever watch that show oh yeah with the with the overdubbed english yes yes if you listen those riffs are kind of close they're not identical but i was like oh my gosh i hope this is a beautiful homage to that because yes I did not even oh, I didn't even think about that, but that is fantastic. It is. It's really great. Uh, I was nerding out super hard after that show, and I was listening to the album on the way on the drive home. I was like, "Oh my god, it's MXC! This is great!" And I ha- I figured I had to ask you that. Uh, next thing I want to talk about real quick: the song "Razor Burn." You guys do some cool vocal trade offs. Uh, Ryan was doing drums when this album was recorded. You guys didn't yeah. yet have Logan. Mm-hmm. So he was singing from the drums, or was this something you guys decided to do the trade off when you were in the studio? Uh, no, he he would sing from the from the drums. We had a originally we had a mic set up for him, um, which proved to be a hassle to say the least. You know, just trying to drum around, having I'm sure you're familiar with a, a mic stand in your face. It's just it's not um, it's just not easy. So he got a headset and he used that for a while. Um, and then he st- started singing on some more songs, which was part of the reason that we had him move off of drums was just because he was doing more. Um, and it just wasn't a good fit. It was, you know, too much, too much for, for him between vocals and drumming all at once. And it, um, we want him to focus on, on one or the other kind of, so, uh, yeah, no, he would do it while drumming and, um, obviously not recording. It's, he's just singing it, but Yeah. Well, okay. So that answers that question. I just love the dynamic that you guys bounce the vocals off there. Uh, the uh, Obviously, the song that got me to decide that I had to buy the album because I just wanted to hear, make sure I was hearing what you guys were singing correctly, being partially deaf affects me. So um, <laughs> I bought the album on the strength of one song. Not that your guys' live show wasn't great, but the one song that made me like, I have to hear it. I have to, I have to have this with me at points, was Work and Jerk. Uh, uh, that chorus is, <laughs> uh, l- l- I have to know, is there any truth to that song? Is, is, where where does the concept for this song come up from? I feel like, you're not wrong, there are people who do, and I'm not saying whether or not I have or have not participated in that, but... <laughs> The concept of the song is just so clever. I'm so curious where it actually spawned from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually write that song. Now I can't confirm or deny if I've you know participated in that or anything. But um, I I didn't write that song. Ryan wrote that song about he um when he when I first met him he worked at that shop who dealt with with Napa, 
And a lot of the other employees that he worked with would go to the bathroom for like 15, 20 minutes at a time. They would just disappear in there and they wouldn't take their phones with them or like, he, you know, you'd walk past and they weren't talking on the phone. You know, like he eventually he figured out that they were not in the bathroom using the bathroom in its traditional sense by any means. Um, so he wrote the song kind of about about uh, their experience with the bathroom and, and how that went from their perspective. Okay, so I appreciate that song even more now because it's make it, it's kind of making fun of the the whole thing. But let's go to the album. Let's um, I have it. It's in my hand right now. Which of these songs are quote unquote your babies? The ones that you wrote, you put the most effort into. So we can kind of dive into those further. Okay. All right. Well. Um... Uh, at this time, this is before we had Logan. So the whole album, basically, uh, most of the music is arranged by me, um, more or less. Not Ryan wrote um, a few of them. I got to look at the album here because I don't even know the track listing, even though I play this so often. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'd expect me to have learned it by now. But um, ten sixty one was kind of uh, at this point was the highlight of my writing um, when when we started playing and went to record the album. I've since wrote more songs, obviously, but that was really the top notch for me there. Uh, the on was one of our earliest songs. I wrote that one. Um, what else? Uh, laundromat is mine. That one is very wordy. I always thought that it needed more musically, but it, the, the lack of music kind of emphasizes the, the words and everything. And, and it's got a certain dynamic to it that I think is really cool. Um, werewolf. That's a pretty, cut and dry punk rock song and blue and protest song are my are my are the ones that i uh put the most in and that i wrote all the words for man these are all great songs honestly uh now the thing about my show is i get to do whatever the fuck i want connor so at the end of this thing whatever song you want us to play we're gonna play it from the album here uh, I feel like people really need to get their hands on this. Where can they hear some of the album if they're looking to check it out? You guys have a band camp, I assume? Yeah, no, definitely. Actually, we're pretty much everywhere on the interweb. You can find us um, if you've got a Spotify. Um, if we're on YouTube. Uh, yep, we have a band camp. You can find uh, some of our stuff might be on Facebook. There's live videos there. There's some live videos on um, YouTube, too. Um we have a Twitter. I'm trying to think of where else. Pretty much anywhere you can stream music, we sh- you should be able to find us. Okay. And all at off-key, which is A-U-F-K-I, folks. Don't go O-F-F-K-E-Y because you will not find them, I promise. No. No. Uh, but if you type, if you spell it right, we are pretty much the only thing that comes up. So. Well, that's good. That means that no one can fuck it up. I love your guys' logo. Did you design that? Who designed that? Uh, that was actually my brother. He was uh, used to be super into like stencils and and tagging and stuff like that. Um, he was much more graphically uh, gifted than I ever was, um, and that was one of his stencils. And when we, uh, you know, started playing shows, like we need a logo. Um, I was like, I know a guy, so I went and talked to him about it, and he's like, Well, I've got this, I've got this badass shark stencil, and he he gave me a bunch of options of of things, and I, I saw the shark, and I. Uh, Ryan is a huge fan of Jaws, and I, I fell in love with that stencil as soon as I saw it. Um, uh, we actually all have matching off-key uh, tattoos with the shark. That's incredible. Even Logan? Uh, not Logan, no. Not yet, anyway. Let's see if we can talk him into it yet. You should make him get it on his butt cheek. 
Because <laughs> he's the new guy, you know, haze him in that sense. Mm-hmm. Don't go too crazy, yep. you know, but I want to say this. Uh, one of my other favorite things about your album, not a lot of people talk about liner notes, but I'm a nerd, so I read everybody's liner notes, thank yous and whatnot. I'm going to read mm-hmm. yours word for word because it's, ama- it's just hilarious how you wrote it. So you said, <laughs> man, I'd like to thank you for purchasing this album and also for taking the extra time to read all the small text stuffed between the cover and the CD. Just that alone nailed it. Just home run. And you said, I like, I'd like to also thank my family for being generally hip, cool cats. Thanks to <laughs> Ryan and Alan for making Off Key worth it and to Angela for making it happen. Thanks to all of my favorite musicians and bands for blazing the trail so I can stumble down it. Catch on the flip side, Connor. I love it. I love it. I love how genuine you are. This album is great. Your band is great, Connor. Uh, thank you so much, man, for, for no. coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I had a, had a great time, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I, I always appreciate it because I, I was super into vinyl and stuff. So I always wanted um, like the liner notes. Most people don't read them, so it doesn't really matter what you put in there. But but taking the extra time to go that far to, to purchasing the album and then enjoying it thoroughly, you know, I always, I always thought that meant something special to the fans. I'm a graphic design nerd too, so I just like look at your guys' stuff and I'm just like, this is so well done. The back cover is so well done. It's just, I'm not trying to sell people on your album, but I'm totally trying to sell them on your album because it's really, <laughs> it's genuinely one of my favorite things I've been checking out in 2017. And I feel like if you like punk, if you like pop punk, if you like a new thing in music that just doesn't necessarily follow all the rules off key is the way to go as always on the voice survival podcast before we ever leave a show i always have to ask this question connor i did this interview today and i feel like i maybe could have done more i maybe could have done less but is there anything that we didn't touch on today that is important to you in your musical journey that you would like to fill us in on before we commence the end of the episode uh you know nothing nothing too too particular i just you know i'd like to thank everyone who's who's seen us play and bought the album and listened to us and and i encourage everyone you know check us out come come hang out with us at shows where we're going to be around um so just a gen and thank you to you as well nate i mean for having me on the show and like you know playing with us we i love a huge fan of your band as well walk among us like we've played some shows with you guys you put on a phenomenal show i appreciate it's been a great time Thank you. I appreciate that. You didn't have to say that on the show today, but I do appreciate those kind words. You guys are great to play with. You're like our tour buddies now. We love seeing you and stopping in and catching up and doing a show and riffing on the chilly streets of Chicago in the middle of October. This was the strangest (laughs) thing ever because, okay, so we played with you guys at the local. We set the show up. We, We needed one band, and you guys ended up being the other band. And then we had one band drop off, so it's like an even smaller show. Mm-hmm. But I have never in my life as a Cubs fan rooted against the Cubs so hard as this year. Because, <laughs> let me tell you, you thought we had a, a just an okay time and it wasn't too crazy. Had the Cubs been in the World Series this year, Game 3 was the night of that show in Chicago. Yeah, I had I had heard that, and uh, I'm not a huge baseball ball fan to begin with. Um, but I was following I was following up until there to find out what the deal was going to be because <laughs> we had we had we you know we 
uh, haul all of our gear in a trailer. So like, you know, we're trying to find thinking of like parking, trying to find a spot for that anywhere near the venue. Like, oh, yeah. Like, OK, well, let's walk our gear for 35 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, not fun. So, yeah, it was just like I was like, OK, Cubs, I love you guys. And you guys won last year. But let last year be last year. Like, <laughs> You don't have to take it all. Give it to Houston. They haven't won one yet, and then, of course, they did. So that's awesome. But uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Voice of Survival podcast. Connor, what song are we playing at the end of this thing to take us home? Oh, you know, that's that's a tough decision, but uh, I, I'm going to go with 1061. It's the first song off the album. It kind of gets you, gets you into it. This is... You know, this is what off-key is kind of all about to a certain extent. You know, gets you gets you ready for it. So that's that's my request, I guess. Awesome. And, you you know, you've filled everybody in on where they can check out off-key on all the different social medias and whatnot on the interwebs. I'll fill everybody in for the Voice of Survival podcast. If you want me on any of the social media sites, Instagram, it's at the Voice of Survival podcast. On Facebook, the same. On Twitter, I think I'm just Voice of Survival and... Uh, as always, you can check out the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. You get a total of 10 different shows there. You can find us on all the different podcasting platforms, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Overcast, Downcast, Podcast Chaser, Podcast Addict. There are so many ways to listen to podcasts nowadays. And folks, spoiler alert, in the very near future, you will be able to find Journey Into Comics Network, the voice of survival in all of our shows on Spotify. We are in the process of doing that right now, and as soon as that news is official, we will be filling you guys in, so you can just subscribe there and just get us at the ready wherever you want, whether it's on your PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or whatever the hell has Spotify. It's the modern era, and I'm so excited. That's going to do it this week, folks. Connor, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure to have you and to talk about Off Key, your musical journey, uh, everything in between. I feel like you are a very well-versed musician uh, and a very diverse musician because you know so many different styles and you've dipped your toes in so many different things and you have an open mind, which is always great to have in music. So thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, anytime. I had a great great time. It was great talking with you, catching up. Hey, absolutely, man. Anytime. We're always here to chat, and uh, now that you've done the podcasting thing like this once, we can have you pretty much anytime on anything you ever feel like doing, so I'm glad to keep this open for you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, no problem. All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Voice of Survival podcast. I've been your host, Nate. Stay strong out there. Don't let anybody push you around. Fuck Nazis. And ladies Fuck and gentlemen, Nazis. this is Off Key with 1061. <laughs>